Hello and welcome to the Veterinary Secrets Podcast. My name is Dr. Andrew Jones and this is episode 59. In today's episode, I'm talking about how to help your pet who has stopped eating. The seven amazing benefits of corn silk. And lastly, news about the serious side effects of flea and tick medications causing seizures. Now Veterinary Secrets is also on iTunes. You can just go to iTunes and search for Veterinary Secrets. We're also on Stitcher. Once again, you can download the Stitcher app, search for Veterinary Secrets, or type in stitcher.com forward slash podcast forward slash veterinary dash secrets. I would sure appreciate it if you've subscribed to my podcast and leave a review. You can do so on iTunes or Stitcher. Questions or comments, feel free to post a comment on my blog at veterinarysecrets.com forward slash blog, or you can send me an email, and that's at podcast at veterinarysecrets.com. Let's get right into today's podcast. Anorexia. Well, this is when your pet is not eating. First, you need to look for an underlying cause. There can be a decrease in appetite, or it can be that just your dog or cat completely stops eating. Now, if this has persisted, then your pet may be lethargic, weak, although you should not be waiting this long for clinical signs to appear. The causes, they're varied. It can include anything such as a sore tooth, an abscess, to something even more serious such as cancer. The most important thing here is to get your dog or cat eating again before a 24-hour period of anorexia causes further illness. This is especially important for our cats, these middle-aged, middle-aged overweight ones, who can develop a condition called fatty liver if this goes on for 48 hours or more without eating anything at all. So what are some of the solutions? What are some of your options? Some of the obvious things, obviously offer something tasty. Canned food, typically it's much more nutritionally dense and often more appealing. Your dog or cat will often respond much more favorably to a higher protein, sweet smelling canned food especially if it's fish flavored. Warm it up and add flavor. Sick dogs and cats often have a poor sense of smell. I've had good luck getting them to eat again by warming up the canned food, then making it a little bit more tasty by adding garlic powder or beef or chicken oxo cubes. B vitamins in many of these guys are really important for most of your dog and cat cellular functions, for the brain, for the heart, muscles, most enzyme systems, and overall energy levels. These are given to most anorexic dogs and cats on IV at a veterinary clinic. And in some cases, the B vitamins may stimulate your pet's appetite once again. <clears throat> you can get a pediatric B vitamins from a pharmacy for cats or get a B vitamin complex liquid and dose it similar to an equivalent sized child. Force feeding, you know, this is one of the big things, especially in our cats when they go a period of time without, without eating. And also once again, our dogs, part of it is just enough, get some nutrition into them, enough that it'll start to give them a bit of, a bit of energy then they'll finally start to eat again. So what you can do is pick up this kind of easy to make liquid canned food. Um, there might be one, there's one by, by Hill, Hills called AD. There's one by Iams called Maximum Calorie. Uh, there's one by Royal Cannon. Or you can just get any good quality, high protein canned, you know, dog or cat food. Um, preferable if it's a natural holistic one. Throw it into like a blender and a little bit of water and just turn that into a liquid gruel. Right? You're just gonna blend it up. So it's really easy and liquid, everything's broken down. So you can then draw it up to in, into something like a 20 or 30 cc syringe. An average cat would consume about a can a day or one can per 10 pounds if you're calculating an average dog dose. Generally when our, our pets have stopped eating, you want to start slow. So the first day you're feeding about a third of that amount, the second day about a half, the third day 
um, about three quarters up to the, the last day where you try to get on, let's say the equivalent of a full candidate. Obviously seeing your veterinarian and your dog or cat has gone any period of time and they're clinically really ill and they're not eating, they're not drinking, they can get clinically dehydrated. Again, all their electrolytes can go way out of balance or maybe a sign that something else more serious is going on. So you're not sure, you're kind of like, what else should you do as far as, it's never not a bad call to obviously see your vet. But some of these things, what I mentioned, where you've got to go sort of not fully eating, Maybe they're eating a little bit, they're kind of picking at it. It's just been a day or two, you're like, oh, can I try something? And that's more what some of these remedies are I'm, ha I'm having you aim for. As far as you can consider catnip, it's an appetite stimulant. And in some cases, it even works on dogs and cats. Um, for cats, you know, often you just get the, the dried herb itself. Some of these guys, it's just enough to not only what make it smell good, you can just sort of sprinkle some of that on some canned food. Sometimes that's enough to get them eating again. You can think of something else as far as some of the anti-vomiting herbs. Some of these guys are feeling nauseous and Sick. We don't know the underlying cause, say it's a cat that has kidney disease, but some of them really respond well to chamomile or peppermint. You can just make a chamomile or peppermint tea and you're dosing at about a tablespoon per 10 pounds of body weight. You can give that every one to two hours. The idea is giving small amounts frequently enough to sort of settle their stomach, also rehydrate them at the same time. There's a couple of different homeopathics that some people have tried and some I've had some clients say, yeah, really help their dog or their cat. One is called alfalfa. It's kind of this considered like the anorexic or not eating homeopathic to consider 130c tablet for 10 to 20 pounds of body weight sort of every two to four hours the other one is called arsenicum or arsenicum album and this is often if you've got a dog say or a cat who's eating something they shouldn't say a dog because he's gone into garbage and this often this one is really helpful the dose once again is about 130c tablet for 10 to 20 pounds of body weight and that can be given two to four times a day there's a few other things to consider for for some reason with people zinc is often really helpful can, it can help sort of increase taste and also make people like feel much more likely one eating again. It's an option. You could be considering that for your dogs or cats if they're anorexic. Couple other ones to consider. First of all, there's an antihistamine called Benadryl, and it's very similar. There, there's a medically dispensed appetite stimulant called periactin or cyproheptidine, but it's very much related to Benadryl. And if you do a little bit of research, you'll see that in some cases, many animals, their appetite increase when they're on, when they're on Benadryl. So that's another real sort of option, diphenhydramine, that you can consider. We're looking at doses. This is about, you know, if we're going to dose a cat, it's about a quarter of a 50 milligram tablet twice a day. And so it like, if you look at that, we're looking at about a quarter or 12.5 milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight twice daily. A couple of other things, famotidine, it's an, or sold under the brand name Pepsid, it's an over-the-counter antacid, works really well. We're looking at doses of a quarter of a 10 milligram tablet twice daily, and that's per 10 pounds of body weight for dogs and cats. Um, and then a couple last things, there's uh, a new sort of medically formulated um, appetite stimulant called Marinol, and it's a cannabinoid. It's specific in, your, in, your, in terms of you're going to need some form of script to get it, but they found it to be really helpful in people, and there's definitely... Uh, a number of different, you know, subjective reports of being used in dogs being very beneficial. You can discuss this with your veterinarian. Lastly, if you have if you have uh, option to be able to uh, go to a dispensary and you can get CBD, especially if you can get CBD in combination with a small amount of THC, even like a four to one ratio of four parts CBD, one part THC, really consider this because it really does have documented appetite stimulant effects, safe for both dogs and cats. When you're dosing it, so if you're, even if you're dosing, say it's the four to one, four part CBD, one part THC, you're going to dose it on the level of 
CBDs, you're dosing it at the level of one milligram of CBD per 10 pounds of body weight. I would start that at once daily in divided doses. And then after two or three days, I would increase that to one milligram per 10 pounds of body weight twice daily of the CBD or CBD THC. Now let's get on to the second part of today's podcast, the seven amazing benefits of corn silk. So what is corn silk? How is it um, used? So if you think about it, it's that the, stri- the, green, the stringy greenish stuff that comes out of the end of a corn cob. That's it. That's corn silk. You can use it in both the fresh and dried forms. Um, ideally, you're going to pull out the golden green strands off the corn and you can just store them in the pot. Like if you want to say you're taking corn, you can just make it fresh and you can turn it where you can make it some type of corn silk tea. And it's super simple, right? So similar to how we've made some of these other teas, you're going to pull that silk off. You say you've kept it in the fridge you're gonna throw you know, throw it in a pot typically you're looking at a couple of tablespoons per cup of water simmer that for 15 or 20 minutes and just strain it out the other obviously easier thing for you guys if you're gonna be using corn silk on your dogs and cats as opposed to making the tea or making it fresh at home definitely that's an option you get it in a tablet formation and I'm gonna have the doses of it at the end so there's a couple big benefits especially applications in veterinary medicine first thing is helping treat urinary tract infections it works as an anti-inflammatory agent for urinary tract infections. What it's doing is it's coating the urinary tract lining and also helping with decreasing irritation. So also beneficial for cats with feline lower urinary tract disease. So super important as, an, as a real good option for UTIs. Secondly, it's been beneficial as a diuretic. So think of some of these cases. We've got an animal that's coughing, say from heart disease. Let's help deal with some of that fluid. How about a natural diuretic such as corn silk? So it, it's an option. It's mild. It's not, you know, like taking a Lasix or something or some of these new generation diuretics. But a real good option, especially if you've got an animal with heart disease, you want to deal with some of this additional fluid. It can help for kidney stones. So yes, yeah, so say we've got an animal with bladder stones, for instance. Kidney stones are more related to people. We don't see that very often in our animals, but definitely potential for bladder stones. So one, one, many of the bladder stones in dogs are, have primarily there's an underlying urinary tract infection. So the corn silk could help treat the UTI. Secondary, the diuretic will help flush. Uh, some more fluid than through through that help flush some of those stones put it out and just the act of additional dilution can help you know at least prevent these stones from returning so that's a real good option then the other big thing i need to make is if you're going to be using as a diuretic in some cases you want to use it if you've got an underlying urinary tract problem be it a cat with flutd or a dog with a uti and people it's been shown to help lower uh, high blood pressure or hypertension We don't see it as much in dogs, but we do see it. Definitely see in our cats uh, with kidney disease. So it's a real great option. Um, For those who are diabetics, it's been shown to help regulate blood sugar levels. And there's a number of different studies that have have shown this. This one here, it was carried out on lab rats, affected with uh, diabetes. And the study authors noted that the application of corn silk helped reduce blood sugar levels. So it's pretty important. So there's another big option. I've never aware of that. But for those of you who have diabetic animals, it can help heal inflammatory um, conditions. So it's known for its anti-inflammatory properties. Traditional medicine followers are of the view or of the view they can be used to reduce the pain caused by inflammatory ailments like gout and arthritis so you got this diuretic action of the corn silk and it may prevent excessive uric acid formation in the so that's specifically with gout we can, our animals can get something like this i think the biggest thing is being an anti-inflammatory right and just look at all of our dogs and all our animals primarily dogs on some of these pretty strong anti-inflammatory medications 
And I wasn't aware of cornice belt being that, so that's pretty important. And lastly, they're saying it'd be beneficial for obesity. So right now we've got like increasing huge percent of our dog and cat population being overweight. So one of the big things is that the belief anyway, and they're seeing the benefit in people, is that they actually have lower lower BMI, lower body mass index um, for some of those that are on corn silk. So it looks some pretty big benefits. I think if you're going to sort of give it on, so there's a couple big things. Say you're trying to treat a UTI, use it as a diuretic. And I think that would be the most of you if you're, you're listening to this podcast. And that's how I would sort of approach it. And I need, I need to mention one other thing though, because it, one last thing has also been really useful um, for animals that are incontinent. I get lots of questions about people having these sort of young, middle-aged female dogs, especially that are now leaking urine. And you're like, oh, the veterinarian said I've got to take um, this thing called stabesterol, uh, a hormone. Are there any natural options? Many, I've, I've tried ground flaxseed. It's worked for a few guys, not very many. Um, there's some natural sort of plant estrogens. One is found in flax. It doesn't seem to be working that well, but corn silk seems to for many people. So that's one other sort of last big, big option of anything. I should have put, should have put that at the fir- top of the podcast. So consider all that. And lastly, it can be used topically. Um, you can make a tea with it. We just discussed. We're just going to boil that corn silk up in a you know a cup or two of water. Let it simmer down. So it can be great for skin conditions such as rashes, redness, boils. Also can help alleviate some of the itching and pain caused by skin wounds. We're looking at doses. So an oral, standard oral dog and cat dose is about 50 milligrams of corn silk. So you can get these in capsules for 10 pounds of body weight twice daily. So now let's get on to the last part of today's podcast. The FDA alerting pet owners and veterinarians with the potential for neurologic adverse events associated with certain flea and tick products. So here's part of the FDA news release and I'll add some of my own comments. The U.S. FDA is alerting pet owners and veterinarians to be aware of the potential for neurologic adverse events in dogs and cats when treated with drugs that are in the isoxazoline class. Since these products have have obtained their respective FDA approvals, the agency has received data indicating that some animals receiving, these are the specific ones you need to know about, Brevacto, Nexgards, and Paraga, and now there's a new one called Cordelio, um, have led to things such as muscle tremors, ataxia, and seizures. These products are approved for the treatment and prevention of flea infestations and the treatment and control of tick infestations. The FDA is saying that they're working with manufacturers of these products to include new label information, highlighting neurologic events. And then they say that they've carefully reviewed studies and other data and, you know, they continue to say that they are offering them to be safe and effective for the majority of animals. But if, you know, you see this, an animal that's weak and ataxy and wobbly or showing localized muscle tremors or seizuring, you want to report this and talk to your veterinarian and yes, obviously get them off of it. So a bit about how these preventive works. I mean, they're all medications. They come in a soft chew. They're easy to eat. Like, great. So easy. And I, my dog doesn't get ticks. My dog doesn't get fleas. Ideal, right? But all, all of these pesticides work by attacking the nervous system of the fleas and ticks, causing death, which makes you think, like okay so if these drugs are worked by destroying the insect's nervous system does it make you wonder maybe could they affect your dog your cats your dog's nervous system they're obviously not labeled for cats hmm my thoughts well first of all i'm a bit concerned that i find it hard to believe that there were no side effects in all the clinical trials you got hundreds of dogs you know four three to four different um companies essentially marketing a similar type of medication no side effects find that hard to believe first you need, secondly you need to be really cautious with anything new but especially anything you're going to be 
giving to your dog or your, or your cat long term regularly like really really cautious especially if it's new three really use alternatives whenever that's possible like if you have an option so say for instance there's many alternative options for flea treatment for ticks they're pretty darn difficult to treat honestly there isn't any real like oh here's a great tick preventive it's the only real real thing that's going to help for ticks is you got to check your dog under your doesn't be so much an issue with cats because they groom themselves so often. Daily checking your dog, getting a, get a flea comb, look over ticks, you find a tick, you remove it. Then my last big point is just question everybody, you know, including me. Just because I say X is so, don't necessarily believe it. Or the whole, right, if your veterinarian says X is so, it's totally safe, no problems. Well, meh. you know, if it seems to be that it's that great, you take a pill and it kills everything, no chance of side effects. I mean, I kind of question that and really, you know, go towards your common sense and ultimately making better decisions uh, for your pet for your dogs and for your cats my last big thing right so and i encourage you that question me and as i encourage you to do that and do that with everything else and right take what i say with a grain of salt no i don't know the ultimate answers but i do know that it sure helps to be more open-minded and think about many of the alternative options and there's reasons why right based on things happening such as this well thanks to that you guys this now concludes uh, today's podcast podcast 59 um, if you have any questions comments you can either post a comment on my blog or send me an email that's a podcast at veterinarysecrets.com i'd love for you to subscribe and i'd love for you to give me additional suggestions for future podcasts anyway thanks once again for listening and i'll talk to you again next week this is dr andrew jones